don't know this, then you're behind the times. The only metric that matters is convenience. Rules apply to you. Suddenly you're an advertiser. This week on Social Minds. We maybe spend too much time in our industry trying to make everything perfect. We had a call with Olivia Downing, copywriter at TBWA Manchester and founder of Chicks in Advertising. Olivia was also the winner of School of Thought in 2017, which is a fairly prestigious advertising competition for those of you who don't know. And she was also listed in the Drums 50 Under 30 Outstanding Women in Creative and Digital. Also, if you tuned into our live webinar series the other week, you'll remember Olivia from episode three. Yes, Olivia, like all of us, has been impacted by coronavirus disruption. But how do you thrive amid disruption? By being disruptive, of course. And that's what she and much of the creative community have been doing. And we're seeing some of this year's best ads and campaigns come out of nowhere as a result. In this ep, we spoke about why Brewdog have gone from punk IPA to punk sanitizer, whether creatives are better or worse at their job in isolation, and the importance of having a virtual pub when the real one's closed. I just want to say to everyone who might be listening to this, there is no better time to try something new than now. All this and more, coming up. How can creativity flourish in a pandemic? As a as a question, oh wow, that is a that is an overarching question. Um, <laughs> I think. I mean, I know we're going to go into this in more detail, but one of the things I do want to head this podcast up with is that I don't think that it's a question at all, even in these early weeks that creativity has flourished. We've seen it from brands, from individuals, um, from agencies, from clients in a a kind of desperate attempt to keep people, um, I guess, motivated, whether it's things to boost morale, different use of products. Um, one of the things I think that, that can't be denied is that this is a good time for creativity. And I hope we can talk more about that as, uh, as this goes on. Yeah, definitely. What, what is it about that? Um, if, you know, before we get into pro- things properly, what is it about creativity flourishing in kind of in hard, in times of hardship? Why do we seem <laughs> a bit more, you know, creative when there when there are bad things going on i mean brexit was a perfect example of you know all the division oh yeah absolutely i mean not not counting the uh the boris bus there but um i do think that that there is something about constraints i've always thought this you know the best kind of briefs you get as a creative are ones where um you know, maybe it is a limited budget or you can't do certain things. And that's because it forces your mind to think differently. And I I, I really do believe that that's why creativity uh, really comes to the fore in times of, of turmoil. You know, I talked about it in the webinar um, during the plague when Shakespeare was quarantined, he wrote King Lear. DNA was discovered during World War II, same for the Enigma machine. And I think what it allows... Um, um, what it allows the, the human brain to do is to really react um, in a time of of where things are, I guess, a little bit different than usual. So that's why I think the the kind of 
impositions that we have at the minute are actually really paving the way for some better, more collaborative, more creative work. I was going to say that we've seen a lot of really great creative responses to um, COVID-19, although some of them have gained quite a bit of backlash. Uh, But what have you made of the creative response to COVID-19? I mean, for example, the McDonald's ad, which, you know, I thought was quite cool at first, but people didn't seem to like it. Mm, It's so true. And I think this is a very polarizing time, you know, um, we do as part of the event that I run Chicks and Advertising we do this bit called the good the bad and the ugly and I I just think that's totally relevant to the creative work that's come out during COVID-19 as you were saying you know McDonald's got uh, quite considerable backlash from separating their their golden arches you know why was that I personally think that's because it didn't really serve a purpose other than to show great art direction right and yeah. I think this, this is really a time where people are looking to brands to either inform them or to improve their current situation and that I did none of that the, the flip side of this though is that we've seen brands like BrewDog for example providing creative solutions to problems so they're now kind of concentrating their efforts on helping produce more sanitizers. We've also seen, you know, um, individuals such as myself or other creatives producing work on their own back to try and raise the morale of people or to try and and, and make the situation better. So for me, what I've taken away from the creative response so far is that whether the work is, is good or bad or ugly, this epidemic has given creatives a spur, um, a catalyst to really do something and really try something new. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think it's nice uh, for for us, definitely, to see people using social media a lot more and digital stuff a lot more. Do you think social media has, because of that, sort of proved its effectiveness? Because there have been a lot of sceptics up until now. And obviously now, because we have to use it, um, people are maybe starting to see the benefits that they didn't want to see before. So... Has do you think it's proved its its worth above other media formats um, at this time? Oh, absolutely. And I I don't I don't just mean the typical channels here. I mean, for example, had you heard of House Party before two weeks ago? You know, no, no, or no. Um, or Kahoot, or or even use Zoom that frequently. Um, I, I really think that the emergence of um, I guess like remote interaction apps. But so taking the idea of social media media a bit wider has never been more important, particularly when so many people are staying at home. Um, yeah. I also think this has been a great kind of reappraisal for the true capacity of hashtags. Um, you know, <laughs> one point, I think they were a bit of a millennial joke, um, whereas the use of hashtags has allowed things like, you know, stay in, save lives, clap for our carers to actually become things like a national event which we had last Thursday um I know what you mean in terms of uh you know in the past maybe social media hasn't been given the credit that it deserves and I think that's because that's what happens when anything is new we've seen it in the past certainly in advertising in uh when when television first came out right Mm. um no one really knew if that would be a great place to to advertise or if it would even be that important and that has been one of the biggest media spends i would say since the well since the 50s so um i think now uh certainly in our current situation social media has a bigger role to play in people's lives maybe more than it ever has because as you say it is most people's main media outlet Mm, 
Yeah, no, I absolutely have to agree with that. Olivia, I know uh, TBWA Man- uh, Manchester, where you work, uh, MCR, mm-hmm. has gone through uh, quite a sort of uh, pivot to a lot of more social work and stuff. Do you think it will? Uh, this will cause other agencies to kind of re-evalu- reevaluate their position on social, and especially the big network agencies from, for whom, you know, uh, probably TV campaigns and out of home is still kind of the more glamorous side of the business. Yeah, I mean, I think for for uh, larger network agencies, I don't think the, the the choice is even there for them to consider with little bunny ear kind of apostrophe things, you know, whether social media is is that important. Because what this crisis has proven is that while traditional media is still hugely important and it's a craft and it does provide a huge amount of reach, online media is the place where um, everybody currently is. Um, And I do hope that going forward, it might convince maybe more traditional agencies, not just networks, but... um, Certainly companies that focus more on traditional media and clients um, take online media more seriously. You know, let's stop setting briefs where social, again, in little apostrophe bunny ears, is the very last thing on the deliverables list. You know, Mm -hmm. let's set real briefs for individual channels and recognize that the plethora of channels that are available to us now potentially have more power than we ever previously anticipated. And so should be treated with the due respect that we give to out of home television and the rest. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned the uh, NHS earlier as well, and you know, the clap for mm-hmm. our NHS and all the initiatives that have been going on there. Do you think day to day, the kind of idea of creativity for good does it kind of get a bit pigeonholed in CSR, a little bit pushed to the side when we're all thinking about bottom lines and everything else? You know, are we kind of going back to the core kind of uh, purpose of creativity? Well, you know, Theo, I think we've already seen quite a lot of that already. And it's quite clear that a lot of brands are, are trying to think about how they can, yeah, hop on that CSR bandwagon in this time. And again, that's I think... Personally, as a, as a creative, as an advertiser, it's something that we have to be very careful of because as McDonald's saw, you know, if you put something out there that actually is tone deaf and, and frankly pisses people off, um, that's going to have a negative effect on, on the good things that you're trying to do. I think creativity for good, historically, you know, it is a category at Can Lion and and primarily has been used to resolve usually like physical uh, health-related issues. And we've seen it, you know, as we've said, with, with BrewDog, with the luxury perfume brands producing hand sanitizers, event centers transforming themselves into, into temporary hospitals, um, etc. However, one thing I think is really important to consider within this concept of, um, of creativity for good now is how creativity is being used to improve the mental stability and the morale of people. You know, the reality is we have never been shut up for long this long before. Yeah. Whether it's um, you know, whether it's Joe Wicks providing PE classes for the country, which is really hard, by the way. I don't know if you guys have done those. They're, they're pretty <laughs> no, difficult. I'm too scared to try. <laughs> <laughs> um, or even things like uh, you know, Bongos Bingos running Bingo remotely at the minute, or even people yeah. setting up online pubs. Um, yeah, that's keeping, more my speed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Uh, but keeping people, in my opinion, keeping people happy and mentally sane in a crisis like this is just a, as important a responsibility as it is to keep them healthy. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know that I mentioned in my in my webinar, but and I, God, if mm. I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times, but if we can't be informative as creatives, we do have a duty, I think, to be the, at the very least entertaining and that should yeah. be considered creativity for good as well. Yeah, I'm glad. I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad you touched on that from your webinar because a point that you made really stood out to me, and that's um, that something as simple as laughter can get us through times like this. But I kind Absolutely. of want to start a little debate between the two of you now, Theo, uh, as well, because <laughs> Theo Theo put out an article um, on the drum as I think it was last week. Um, commenting on this and sort of how brands should react. And I guess in the sort of uh, vein of like Twitter humor and like all the meme jokes that are coming out of it, we thought that's not, that's sometimes the kind of thing brands want to jump on when it's not about a serious topic. And maybe in this instance, it's not appropriate because, you know, we've seen some people getting a lot of, well, some brands even getting a lot of backlash, um, for things like that and certainly have done in the past. Uh, but I just wondered what, what you thought about that because on, on the one hand, Liv, you're saying laughter is really important and that we have a duty to entertain and we have to keep people's spirits up. And then Theo saying, you know, it's really important not to be toned deaf. Um, and we don't want to offend anyone and maybe it's not a brand's place to get involved all the time yeah I mean right okay Theo let, let's take this outside and uh <laughs> sorry we're not allowed outside we're not allowed outside um I think one of the things and I and I do think that you're right actually Theo um is that it's really important to gauge tone in this instance and I would like to make the differentiation between laughing at the situation and laughing with it. So I don't think that laughing at COVID-19 is helpful because at the end of the day, you know, thousands of people are dying and, and that really can't be ignored. But I really do believe that laughing with it is crucial if light humour is within your tone of voice. And frankly, anyone that states, as many, many brands do, that their brand speaks like everyday people, this applies to them. Uh, again, it's about being timely, you know, now more than ever, I think we're seeing that the right response at exactly the right time is crucial, but it's also a time to be brave. And for so long, brands have shirked humor in favor of more do-gooding, you know, heartstring tugging ads, but that's not helpful in a time like this. People are scared, people are sick. And most of all, we're social animals that have been separated. Um, I know I touched on this in my webinar, but, um, you know, as an ex-comic, I'm fascinated by laughter and, and we're the only animals that do it. And it literally means I am enjoying this and I want to continue to spend time with you. So in light of the current situation, I do think that laughing with people, real people in this crisis and using that as part of your brand's collateral is a good thing. But to Theo's point, I think it's very important to gauge tone and to gauge exactly what's going on at this time. This is almost like a, a rapid response time for brands. And, and it's never been more important, I think, to, to time things and, and put an accurate response out 
at the right time with the right tone. Yeah, I agree with you there, Olivia. I think there's different, definitely different levels to this, isn't there? And and you yeah. know, I sort of sort of caveat this by saying that I'm pretty sure Olivia has taught me a lot more about copywriting than I have heard. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> as having done school of thought on on separate occasions, but yeah, you're totally right. I think when I read this article, the the the, the sort of humour that I had in mind as well was because this is an interesting thing to get your thought on is that the kind of mm. There's different arenas for this, isn't there? So I, I was getting yes. sent, I don't know if about you, you know, if it was the same for you guys, but I'm sent, getting sent um, this kind of new meme uh, WhatsApp voice notes about people who have, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. family members and friends who have just been in the army and the have said we're going lasagna. into lockdown on Friday. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the government are baking a massive lasagna and it's getting cooked at Wembley <laughs> and all of that. And I thought that's genuinely Delicious. funny. You know, that that's a real example of kind of UGC um, between sort of people, you know, I guess it's a, a, it feels to me like it's an arena brands can't play in. And then I wonder how far that goes, you know, when it comes to mm. sort of Twitter and the quick quips. And it's a debate we have all the time, isn't it? You know, when, when we, when we think about memes and stuff is, is the yeah. same joke funny when it comes to a brand or I guess like what you were saying, Olivia, is it, you know, the brand's chance to be brave and do something that maybe isn't a meme or hasn't been inspired by memes. But on that point, though, I mean, I think that's a great one on the lasagna um, example because, and what what I would love to sort of see is like, you know, where was Dolmio in that, frankly? That was a piece of, you know, news and and a memeable thing um, that they could get involved with. And it's just, it's very little. It's just a a bit of like respite if they retweeted that, for example, or... Or um, just, you know, saying something like, you know, it's your adormio day. Don't put that in the podcast because <laughs> my Italian <laughs> accent is, is terrible. But um, one of the things that I think uh, that brands need to do more than ever is to be keeping an eye on these things. You know, as I said in my webinar, people tend to share lighthearted stuff with each other. It's the way that we like to interact and we always have done. So it's about thinking, you know, when is it when is it pertinent? Like when is it right for your brand to um, get involved with a conversation like that? Or when is it better to not say anything at all? It's literally comic timing. And I think it's something that brands and, and certainly our clients could could definitely do more of. It's a very strong point. And I'm glad you mentioned clients there as well, Olivia, because uh I, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've sort of got this kind of view of, uh, you know, a lot of brands, clients and agencies kind of saying, well, you know, there's no advertising to make. There's not really much we can do. Do you think that they should be taking cues from their creatives and their staffers and their copywriters and art directors and people like you have, you know, created, uh, you know, initiatives like the staying in and actually mm. maybe using that initiative to be like, okay, you know, just because we're not doing our usual advertising, there are a lot of things that we can do, you know, not just from our creatives as sort of grassroots things, but as, you know, brands and agencies again. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think, you know, a a lot of people are facing a situation now where they're maybe they're, um, their projects, their marketing projects have been put on hold or they're not really sure, well, where the money is going to come from now. And that's a, a problem that doesn't just face advertisers but businesses all over and while I do appreciate that um, a lot of businesses are, are under a huge economic pressure right now yeah what I can't understand is is brands that aren't approaching their agencies to say okay you know we've, we've got a little to no money so what can we do if you already have your your social media 
um, channel set up as a brand, this would be the time to be brave or to try something new. You know, if you're a fashion brand, could you do live lookbooks online or or make use of user-generated content? You know, my God, I've, I've seen so much TikTok stuff in the past two weeks. Um, how can we ride the wave of what people are already independently creating to give brands a, a place and a voice and a, and something to say in a time of, of crisis. You know, I, I don't believe personally that creativity needs money all the time to flourish, but it does need brands who are willing to trust their agencies and go to them and say, you know, like, as I said before, what can we do right now in the current situation? Mm. No, it's a really good point. I mean, would you say you've been surprised by the stance that brands have taken? There's some of them like stopping ad spend and some of them pulling existing ads. And I know like in cases where the ads maybe wouldn't feel appropriate or like they're struggling with budget, you can understand. But there there does seem to be an automatic sort of fear-induced knee-jerk reaction to stuff like this where they just think, okay, we'll just pull all comms because we don't know what's going on uh, when actually maybe they should be leaning into it, like you said. I mean, I'm, like, as I you know, mentioned just now, I'm, I'm not surprised because, and as you rightly said, Eve, it's a knee-jerk reaction, you know. Where's the money going to come from? We don't know, so we'll just stop everything. And I mm. guess it's one of those things, it's one of those classic battles between what makes logical sense and what makes, uh, I guess, more creative sense. Yeah. So, yes, of course, we have to protect our businesses, and there are several measures in place at the minute by the government to try and, to try and help with, um, with income and, and keeping businesses up. But I, I think that's a slightly... It's a slightly blinkered way of thinking. And, you know, as I was saying before, I think that this is a great time for a really organic relationship between brands and agencies. It absolutely should be that partnership of, okay, you know, we don't have a lot of money right now. We're a bit worried about how our product or how our brand can have anything to say, if anything at all, um, in this current environment. Yeah, definitely. So, how can you how can you help us? How can we work together as opposed to being, you know, I think advertising has historically been classed as a service agency, and that's true. Uh, sorry, an industry. Um, we are a service industry and we we do have to provide a service to our clients. But more than ever, and certainly one of the things that, that I've definitely uh, been a part of and seen in the past uh, two weeks is that it's now a time to, to branch out and, and be more collaborative and work as a as a partnership as opposed to one side servicing the other. So mm. whilst halting ad spend, I think, is probably um, inevitable, at least in the short term, that doesn't mean that brands don't have to do anything at all. In fact, it could be a really fruitful gra- ground for a lot of brands to actually do something really interesting. Yeah, definitely. I really I really agree with the point you made about leaning on the relationship with agencies as well, because, you know, it's our it's our job to guide them through um unprecedented times, which is which is exactly what we're what we're in. But I think it's also a good opportunity for brands to um build a stronger relationship with their audience as well. And I think we've seen, uh, we've definitely seen proof that the creative industry is what people turn to and rely on um, in times of crisis. I mean, I want to touch on the project that you worked on called uh, The Staying In, so the virtual <laughs> pub. I mean, that's yes. that's a great example of, of a way that you can reach out to people and really play into what it is that they're feeling right now and what they want right now. Um, so I guess what what compelled you to to do something to respond to this? 
Uh, it's quite a, an interesting story. Um, I had, at the time, uh, been self-isolating for a week as I'd been quite poorly with a high fever. So <laughs> oh dear. who knows what that was? Um, but yes, yeah, so when I was ill, um, at the time in the news, people were being advised to um, to no longer go to pubs. And um, honest, I'm going to be honest with you guys, I'm going to level with you. I was gutted because all I could think <laughs> of was when I get well, I'm not going to be able to go and have a bev. <laughs> and that right was absolutely gutting. Um, so I guess kind of in a in a weird kind of peaking fever and horrible chill sort of moment, I did have an idea that it would be quite funny to create an online pub if we if we really had to, you know, a place to share photos, stories, do fun pub quizzes, um, and the rest of it. And just in passing, really, I mentioned it to my friend Sophie Stevens, who works at um, Have Our Slings. And, you know, she's a shit-hot designer, and um, she just thought it was really funny. And on the back of that, she made an amazing logo. Um, and basically, you know, we thought, oh, God, this could really be something quite big so we made a Facebook page we made a Twitter page we made an Instagram we made a Spotify playlist and when the pubs closed uh, we officially sort of opened ours um, and, and the rest is history but one of the things uh, I would really like to, to stress here um, you know as I did in my webinar is that everybody has good ideas like this and we've seen you know the corona arms and other online pop, uh, pubs popping up um, the only difference I think is like with my CIA venture or the staying in or other things that I've been a part of you know school of thought I actually took the risk of putting it out there in the world. I really think that a lot of the time people have ideas, but they're afraid of it not working or, you know, being embarrassed if it doesn't work out. And I just want to say to everyone who might be listening to this, there is no better time to try something new than now. So if you do have an idea for something, you know, like we did with staying in, Put it into action, you know, don't just leave it as something that you think might be quite funny, but you would never try because the landscape at the minute is open to do something really amazing. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's great advice. I mean, they've got nothing to lose. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I don't worry about looking ridiculous because I know I look ridiculous. So <laughs> lean <laughs> into students, it. That's it. <laughs> exactly. Make the most of that. Um, but yeah, I do hope that. This will uh, unlock a lot of um, people's creative potential who may even previously have not considered themselves creative before. I think that what this crisis has shown is that human beings are just innately creative, whether that's trying to do, you know, birthday parties or a house party or uh, delivering uh, food parcels to people through windows by, you know, making makeshift cranes. Like, we are creative beings. So, Hopefully, we'll see even more of these kind of creative solutions than we have done already. Yeah, definitely. And, and not and not to take away from the idea, Olivia, because obviously it's, it's such a fantastic idea. And by the way, I, I absolutely love the name. It's, you know, that's classic copyright. <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Thank but, you. But, you know, going back to that point on um, initiative, like seemingly this was something that, you know, a Green King or a London Pride or any one of the major breweries could have sort of taken it upon mm. themselves to be like, well, why don't we do that for a social? And yet I go back yeah. to that point of initiative. It's like, 
They haven't, you know, it almost seems like, you know, again, creatives are being the ones to take the initiative. It, it, it's, it's, it feels like there's two approaches to this. It feels like you can either kind of shut up shop, you know, literally and sort of, you know, in the other sense, or like you said, you know, just do it. And it seems to me like a lot more creatives seem like they don't need the validation of a brand to be able to do these things. And they're the ones getting the attention. <laughs> yeah, did, it, you, you know? did you see the Netflix adverts, anyone? Well, they've been circulating yeah. sort of virally, but it wasn't actually Netflix. It was like a, an ad, an Add um, so at like a, an agency or some students in Miami, I think, who did this um, like spoiler alert campaign, saying you know if they went outside, there was out of home ads waiting for them with Netflix spoilers for like the biggest shows, which I thought was amazing. It's and then it just brilliant. annoyed me that the brand wasn't doing that. It was students and and other like outside creatives who don't have to worry about like bureau- bureaucracy, and they're they're just doing it. <laughs> and again, I think that that comes part and parcel with thinking of new ways of working now and I hope we can talk about this a little later on too because traditionally you know a brief would have been issued by Netflix um, to their agency and people would work on that and then there'd be reviews and then it would go back to the creators for dev and then it would go to the clients and then it would maybe go to the, the to the brand um, and there would be a series of in and out processes to get that campaign out into the world and I think certainly in my own experience with staying in, but definitely with that wonderful Netflix example. This is about reaction. This is about brands trusting people to be quick and post things and do things um, without those kind of, I would say, archaic processes that we've had from the 50s really up to this point. So, uh, yeah, I totally agree with you, Eve. I think it's a shame that they didn't um, they didn't own that in any way. But mm. I do think that brands are still, they're still in the ricochet moments, I think, of, of everything that they had planned really kind of going down the drain. But as you were saying, Theo, you can either reel back and lick your wounds and wonder what to do next or really own this time and look at the people who are putting things out into the world and say okay how can I be a part of that how can I um really harness the creative that's coming out of this situation and use it for a for a better purpose the question the question is Olivia seemingly is uh you know when when we come out of this do you think it will be a lesson learned or there's sort of I I mean you can't even say history states because we've never really been in a situation like this before but you know are you optimistic that things will change in that respect and people will think well actually okay maybe we don't need to put you know 10 walls in front of a creative idea before it you know goes to goes online or you know do you think we'll uh we'll probably you know sink back into the same sort of uh, you know ways of working that we're used to mm. i just don't think that that is even possible now i think that in the even in the three four weeks that this has been going on it's seen such a seismic change happen to our industry we've seen great you know uh creative work coming out of all kinds of different people as you said you know the miami ad students um luke o'reilly who did an ad for for guinness for, as part of the staying in's brief that we ran on one minute briefs that went around the world uh in less than 24 hours and uh it took a while for guinness to actually um kind of harness that and use it to their advantage and what i think that we're seeing is uh, you know as we did with Nick from One Minute Briefs, we we collaborated in a way that was quick, but it was also uh, maybe your, not your usual path into getting work out into the world. Um, it wasn't your usual partner to uh, to do 
uh, I guess, creative with. And what I hope that we see as we go out into the world again eventually um, is maybe more T-shaped creativity. So copywriters working with not necessarily just art directors, but with developers, with videographers, with, um, you know, people like you guys, social chain, with PR um, executives, and, and, and being able to react and do work faster because we live in a fast time, you know? We can see mm-hmm. it even day by day in this crisis, you know? Things are happening every day, and we just can't rely on those traditional processes to yeah. help us react in a, in a way, as I, as I you know, said before, that's timely, and, and interesting for the audience too, right? You know, we have to be interesting, entertaining at the very least. And we can't yeah. do that now without a really drastic change into, into ways of working when we, when we go back out into the world. No, I couldn't agree more. I think reactive content is like the best there is. And if people can't do that, I also think it's such a shame. Like what, there's not really much point in getting involved in a conversation like this one if it's not on time. Well, so just to that point. So as I said before, when Sophie and I set up the staying in, I think the reason why that took off was because it was on the day that the pubs closed, you know, and yeah. that wasn't an accident. So then we did that on purpose um we were going to wait for a little while to get it out there but and it wasn't really it wasn't quite finished it wasn't quite ready there were things that we still had to do and i think that's the point i sometimes think that we we maybe spend too much time in our industry trying to make everything perfect and actually a better way of working would be to just um have something good to say that is reactive maybe it's not perfect maybe it's not been through several rounds of amends and has had everyone's eye and sign off on it but it's absolutely the appropriate thing to say at that time and uh, if we can maybe create an industry of people who are maybe less perfection focused but are more culturally inspired Mm. um, and more as you would say any more reactive to the news to uh, certain trending memes or content things that are going on I think that will create better work uh, as a whole going forward yeah I couldn't agree more one thing I wanted to ask you about uh, Olivia and I know that you and Eve will resonate uh, with this as well is that uh, as creatives we're told to be like sponges you know you've got to be consuming everything if you're sitting on the tram um, you can't listen to your headphones. You've got to be earwigging on 10 people's conversations to see what the general public are, are talking about. Now that we've got this isolation, are you seeing isolation as a positive thing for creatives, having a bit of time to to think and not be sort of bombarded with everything? I know that, you know, the internet has a lot to answer for, but spending our day-to-day inside. Well, it's funny because, you know, in my day-to-day job, I do work in a, in a creative team and I think we've found it kind of a, a blessing and a curse you know on, on one hand it is obviously hard to or harder to bounce ideas remotely um particularly like me uh you know i'm social distancing completely on my own i'm um i'm hardcore level social distancing at the minute and so there's no one unless i'm on the phone or doing a chat or anything that i can bounce my ideas off and that makes things a bit difficult but on the other hand I really think that it gives you the headspace and the lack of distraction to to really get into the zone and, and concentrate maybe more um, intensely on one thing at one time. And yeah, you know what? I've watched a lot of Netflix. Um, I've read a lot of books and I've done 
really an embarrassing amount of crosswords for anyone who's not 75. But I think, you know, it's also something that we really need to take into account because everybody knows um, that the creative process needs downtime, needs to be exposed to other things, fill ourselves with stimulus and kind of let it simmer in the, in the old slow cooker. We know this. And yet, historically, we have allowed no time for that in the workplace. So hopefully this will be you know, a good lesson for people uh, in, in letting creatives have more of that time. We've already mm. seen the great creative work that's coming out of this. And I'm pretty sure, I mean, if those Miami creatives are anything like me, you know, and, and the thing that I created, um, they did that in their PJs. So <laughs> I, I do think that isolation can be really effective because it allows us to finally have that time to expose ourselves to other media, to other news, to things that we want to do, which always helps in terms of creating a more well-rounded creative idea. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. I mean, I think to go with the sponge analogy, if we are sponges, I feel like when it's just like business as usual, everything's super fast paced as always. And if you're taking on all this information, we rarely give ourselves time to sort of stop and look what, what we've actually been, been taking on. And now I guess we have sort of time to sit and sort of look inward and think, okay, what do I know? You know, what what can we make out of this? And it definitely comes out of having some time to stop and think, which I think is a really good thing. And on that point as well, I, I think that one of the reasons why we're seeing some, I mean, really, truly excellent creative um, come out of this crisis is that, you know, I sometimes think the advertising industry can be a bit insular. And I think McDonald's is a great example of this. Uh, we can start creating ads for ad people, if you like. So things that are beautifully art-directed and very, you know, clever. But do people in the real world care about them? Mm. Probably not, if they've seen them at all, right? Whereas something that's very interesting, and I know that we've talked about before, is that the news outlets at the minute are just coronavirus. They are just what's happening right now. And I don't know um, if it's a, a kind of double whammy of the fact that creators are at home and it's the only news that they're exposed to, but it happens to be culturally relevant. We're not as concerned with creating ads for other advertising people. We're actually more focused on, okay, this is a crisis that is happening right now. What can we do as individuals or with our agencies or brands to help alleviate this current crisis? Um, and I think the the kind of lack of pressure of, of um, as I said, you know, making wonderfully perfected, uh, art-directed, wonderfully cleverly copywritten stuff has actually allowed us the chance to be uh, maybe more culturally relevant and mm. all the good stuff and there is a lot of stuff that is related to the news right now but that's because that is the only thing that's really at the forefront of people's minds and I think that's how that's how advertising should be it should be things that people really do care about and really are worried about and um and give you know people something to lift their spirits a little bit so that is definitely a plus, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it would it would come across weird if you just saw a really normal advert that was new, yeah. that was like new at a time like this. Just like, okay, forget what's going on. We're going to ignore it, but we just really need to sell more, I don't know, chicken. <laughs> yeah, exactly. First thing that comes to mind. You, uh, in your webinar, Olivia, as well, you name-checked uh, Bill Burnback, who was obviously a great advocate for all of this, you know, famously yeah, sure. um, bringing uh, copywriters in the art department together to work together. It was quite a you know momentous thing at the time. 
Um, mm. I'm just wondering how the world of uh, advertising and, and particularly for those working in advertising, how agencies look like when we all eventually do go back, you know, um, what, what, what changes will we see? I, I imagine that we'll look back on this as a, quite a bit of a, a watershed moment in a way. Oh, 100%. I really feel like this is our um, modern day equivalent of the burn back epiphany, you know. Uh, there was a time when copywriters would just send their words to art directors and it didn't make the best work. And he recognised that and... Whereas, you know, now we're totally used to the arrangement of copywriters working with our directors. At the time, it was totally innovative. And I think that, you know, we're, we're currently facing this time too. We are all working remotely. I mean, whereas he put people together, we have been separated from the people that we usually work with. But what I do think uh, that this has allowed, I mean, speaking for myself here, um, what it has allowed creators to do is to have a little bit more flex. You know, I'm learning how to use programs, I'm sure you guys are, that you maybe never used before. Um, it's allowing you to collaborate uh, with all sorts of people around the world. You know, we're very lucky that we live in um, in this technologically advanced world where, you know, and I can go around the world virally in 24 hours uh, because we have the means to do that. And that's the thing I really want to stress. I do think that we have to shake ourselves up a bit as an industry because what Burnback put together was innovative in the 50s. But they didn't have computers then and they didn't have the internet then and they didn't have creatives who were maybe multifaceted. You know, you can be a copywriter and an animator or you could be an art director and a sound engineer, right? There are mm. people who have so many different skills, so many different side hustles and, and different lines of working that but then we, we pigeonhole them into their specific role as a maybe a copywriter, um, you know, a designer, whereas actually they have so much more to offer. And I think that would be a really interesting thing to see as we go back into uh, into our offices, into the world. How far do we tap into the talents that, that people maybe have but are not necessarily part of their job description? Does it mm. matter so much, you know, to be just an art director, just a copywriter? Um, I think it's really important that we that we open up that a little bit and maybe just start referring to people as creatives because everyone now can learn, you know, Photoshop, InDesign, uh, Premiere. There are so many things that we use that are really open to everyone. So I, I actually hope that it makes for better and more interesting work when we eventually get back uh, to our day-to-day. -day. Mm, now, I couldn't agree more. I think it's made us all a lot more resourceful and, like you said, sort of realised skills that sometimes we might not have even realised that, that we have. And it would be great to see that, um, I guess, used a bit more when we do reintegrate into work. On a, on a final note, uh, Olivia, because we've covered absolutely loads here, but it's, I'm calling it the kind of post-COVID-19 census <laughs> on how we how we work is the, uh, <laughs> is, the, is the term I've coined for it. But... Uh, you know, we'd like to, in a utopian world, you know, we'd imagine that is, you know, a big culture change and everything changes. But naturally, these mm. things take people like your burnbacks back in the day or whoever to kind of, you know, take that stance and be the one to kind of say, right, you know, we need to kind of formalize this. The decision makers, uh, you know, are, are ultimately the ones who are probably going to change this. 
Who yeah. is responsible for this? Is it, you know, DNAD? Is it IPA? Is it creative directors? Is it whole agencies? I know TBWA, you know, much like us, but very much rooted in social chain. Is it uh, mm. very much rooted in disruption? Sorry. Who needs to be the one to lead this and to take us to that point? Yeah, it's an interesting question that, Theo. I guess the kind of um, the client approved out in the world answer is like, you're business leader, your CEO, industry bodies. Um, but I don't think that's true. I think the reality is it's down to each and every one of us in the creative industry to do things to to make this happen. You know, we have already seen, definitely with my example of the, of the staying in, of the Netflix ads, of BrewDog producing the hand sanitizers, what can be created not only remotely, but in a really short space of time with just some clever thinking um, and how that impacts can be seen by the rest of the world. So the future of the industry, I believe, is in the in the creatives who are working in it right now. We can already see what what has been produced by the fantastic creative um, that, that has come out into the world from a slightly unorthodox angle. I don't think it's a question of um, almost who is responsible for putting it into uh, into kind of the, the, the general workings. I think it's it's going to happen anyway and it's, you know, adapt or die. You either get involved with this, this new type of super collaborative um super wide reaching and quick creative or you kind of lose your part of that pie you know Einstein I think it was said insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result and I you know I just find it fascinating that we are in you know as the media keeps saying an unprecedented time so we have been given the opportunity to not do the same thing over and over mm. again and we really can see a different result already in the in the reach of things that have gone all around the world so let's use the situation and and push it as creatives as you know as the people who work for you guys in social chain as all the different types of creative people who work in this industry, let's work together to push this new way of working and mm. get maybe an extraordinary, as you said, Theo, a, a watershed result in the process. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I really hope people are brave enough to do that because I think you're right. Like now is the time to try something new. Absolutely. Definitely. I, I, I agree with both of you. We talk about the uh, disruption a lot. You know, this is sort of true disruption, you know, as we've seen it before our eyes. So, you know, 100% we need to uh, look at this with a, a different view. We've covered uh, so much. and I'm so glad we covered a lot of creativity. It's, it's, yeah. it's brilliant. Um, I would say we'd all uh, go to the staying in now to celebrate. But it's a Monday lunch. Oh, so we are recording on. So, but do, but do check it out on um, on Facebook and you're on Instagram, on Twitter, aren't you, um, Olivia? Yeah. So, um, yeah, the staying in but uh thank you so much for joining us yeah thank you so much thank you guys i think what we're doing you know what you guys are doing with this podcast and and particularly in the current time you know is also a great example of how agencies can react really well to something that you know that is disruptive it's like we have been Mm. disrupted so how do you react disruptively 
you do a podcast talking about we'll just it. Keep going. Oh, they'll never bring social minds down. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fabulous. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, get to the staying in, guys. We'll all be there popping up the bar. <laughs> Definitely. And to add to that, also uh, Olivia's webinar. We we should have a link of that um, around somewhere. So if you if you did miss that, um, you know, let us know, and we'll uh, look to get that as well because a lot of the lessons do obviously transcend. So yeah, I think I'm going to post them all in the Facebook group. So they should be there. Brilliant. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please remember to leave us a review on iTunes because it really, really helps and allows us to bring you brand new episodes every single week. This has been the Social Minds Podcast with myself, Theo Watts, Eve Young, and produced by Ollie Thompson.